thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Wow, what a year. What a year. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, friends. I... uh... Whoever put together the worship experience, thank you. It was fabulous. And I, I, really, I really hope that you had a wonderful experience with your family and friends this last week. It's just so significant. And, and I want to just kind of challenge us this morning. Don't forget the good things that happened this week, this week with your family. Think about them. Remember them. Talk about them. Because every bit of progress in relationships at home, in relationships with friends, God's all about relationships. And every bit of progress, we know that God had something to do with it. Because every good and perfect gift is initiated. It started by God. And so I just encourage you, don't don't just let Christmas be done and over. Deal? Think about it. Talk about it. And if no one wants to listen, talk to me. <laughs> I, I'd love to help you see if we can figure out what, what the Lord got done. All this story, so much good. It's God at work. So anyhow, enough on the past. <laughs> now we got to talk about the future. Fair enough? Today is, uh, you know, last day of the year. And so in the last day of the year, we typically like to look back and think about things and maybe celebrate, maybe talk about what we might do better. And that kind of leads us to looking ahead. And so old school, we used to, you know, we used to make resolutions at the start of the new year. And, and so I was thinking about all that a little bit. And actually the text that I have been led to talk about this morning has in the text, the words, with you, I am well pleased. Sound familiar? Father talking to son. And uh, so I was thinking about this a little bit yesterday. And I kind of got off in my own zone with Jesus. And uh, I said, Lord, um, looking back, could, could you say that to me today? Are, are you well pleased? And I, I like to stare into Jesus' eyes. My imagination. God gives his imaginations for a good purpose. And, and he kind of looked at me and nodded. And I thought, you know, it's amazing. And I said to him, here I am, just one of eight billion, just a little mere mortal in the God who conceived and created the whole universe. That, that I can actually bring pleasure to you. And he nodded. <laughs> he didn't use many words. I mean, doesn't need to. But. And, and I said, you know, if, if, I could, if I could bring pleasure to you, I wonder, is it possible for me to bring pain to you? <laughs> and he 
And he nodded. And I said, oh, well, well then is it possible that maybe let's, let's talk about this new year? What, what could I do this year that would increase your pleasure in me and our relationship and what we do together and decrease your pain? And he said, that's what you're talking about tomorrow. Thought, oh, yeah, that's right. Because the sermon was already done. So here we go. So today's aim is to make one or two God-pleasing, old-school New Year's resolutions. How's that sound? One or two? You up for it? So... When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son. Whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And Lord, we didn't come here to hear a mere mortal. We came here to hear you. And I beg you for help that what I say will be word based, spirit led. And I ask you to help everyone here not listen for flesh, but listen for truth from God and respond. Amen? So you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Can we, and here's the question, can we, like Jesus, be well-pleasing to our Father and bring pleasure to him? And if so, how? Well, I'm going to do a little bit of contrasting here. God gets no pleasure in certain things. In fact, he experiences pain. I could, you know that. Contrast that, God has pleasure. So I want us to think about that a little bit. Without faith, Jesus says, God the Father says, it is impossible to please me. Huh. Without faith. So faithlessness does not please God. In fact, it's probably painful. Faith, as we all know, comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. We were never created to be independent of God. We were created to have eternal joy and eternal pleasure with God in the Trinity. We were created to experience that. God wanted us to have the joy and the thrill of life eternal that's real life. And so, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So God does communicate because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so you all, I, we, hear God because he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit has spoken, is speaking, will speak to every person on the planet. 
We hear his voice. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit speaks and we experience God's voice. We experience him as a thought. There are other ways, but the primary way. We experience him as a good and perfect thought. He speaks to us. But he not only speaks directly by the Spirit, he also speaks through his body. I hope, pray that this morning <laughs> you won't hear me but I hope what you do here will be God speaking through a human instrument. And anytime I am filled and led by the Spirit, my words are spiritual words from God. The song said this morning that I can prophesy and we're supposed to prophesy. We, we, are, we all have the potential, the provision to actually literally say the words of God or words from the flesh. So God speaks to me by his Spirit. Directly, he speaks to me through people, those who are spirit-led. And he speaks to me most foundational, most fundamentally, because it's the easiest and the clearest and the most certain way to understand that he's speaking. He speaks to me through scripture. He spoke to men, women, probably, maybe, men, who cares? He spoke and someone wrote it down and we call it scripture, right? So it was initiated by God through the body, and then it was written and we have it. So God speaks. The issue isn't that faith is impossible. The issue is because faith comes by hearing. The issue is recognizing, realizing. And when God, our Father, who has done everything possible to make it possible for us to walk by faith, which will save us, understands that in the midst of all we're going through, all the turmoil in our souls, all the circumstances have been alluded to already, when he knows that he's spoken, but we don't recognize his voice, and thus we allow the stuff that we're going through, the challenges, the difficulties, the sickness, all the stuff, the relational tensions, that gets big. And the voice of God, though heard, is not recognized, or if recognized, is not battled with. And we live in fear. We live in anxiety. We live in shame. We live in purposelessness. We live with conflict. We live with anger. All kinds of things that is destructive, not only in our soul, but through us. It's painful to our Father. It's painful. He didn't make us to live that way. We weren't intended to be independent. We weren't intended to rely on our own understanding. We weren't intended to be dependent on others. We were intended to walk by faith. Make sense? And so, without faith, God says, it's impossible to please me. In fact, anything not of faith in me is sin, Paul says in Romans 14, 23. You're kidding, uh-huh. Anything not of faith in me is sin. And our, our proneness is to think of sin as that which we can see, that which we do, things that are wrong, or that which we fail to do, things that are right. Anyone who knows to do right and does not do it is sin. Our, our propensity is to think of sin primarily or essentially or entirely as that which is on the outward, something that's visible, something that's tangible, something we can see. That's the fruit. That's the effect. The cause, the root, is a breakdown in relationship. 
that which creates, which is so devastating to everyone around us, our sin, is the byproduct of the simple fact that God has spoken to us, but we didn't recognize it. Or if we did, we didn't receive it, or we didn't go to the work to fight the fight for faith. And so sin at the very heart is something like living as if God doesn't exist. Treating him as if he doesn't matter. Or being deistic. Well, God made everything and then he's off. Sin is not relating to God as God intended, which is first of all to hear and to believe. And when, when the sin that destroys our world and destroys families and marriages and destroys our own soul is going on because we ignored God. We left him out. We didn't hear what he's saying and believe him. So we were faithless. And thus we had to create an idol because we have to have help. So we'll make an idol out of anything that will help us if that's what we're looking to. And God intends and never intended for us to have any idols, anything but him as our source. And when he sees us struggling with sin, we see the fruit. He says, but you're just not listening to me. And so we need to know God is not easily offended. This isn't about God being offended with us, but he's pained because he loves us. And so anything not of faith is sin and without faith, it's impossible for us to please him. Does that make sense? It's a big deal. The fight for faith is a big, big deal. On the other hand, faith and holiness please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith brings pleasure to God. And faith almost always requires a fight because we're bombarded constantly with the things that pull us into doubt, pull us into relying on something other than God, ourselves or others. And faith almost always is a fight. And when God sees us actually winning the fight, walking on water, walking on the storms, being victorious, being radiant in the midst of the mess. It just, he's so delighted. We're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. And it thrills our father, brings him great pleasure. And when he sees us and understands perfectly the difficulty and the challenge, the, the, great, the great war it is, a fight for faith. And he sees us fighting. He sees us going through stuff that's terrible, but he sees us looking at scripture and listening, trying to say, what did you say, God? He sees us trying to remember, and he sees us comparing what we see with our eyes, what we're experiencing, what we're hearing with what he has said, and we don't really believe, but, but we're fighting to believe. <laughs> it brings him such joy. I don't know why I cry about it. It brings him such joy. 
It pleases him. He has pleasure. Even as we're fighting because we're going the right direction. We haven't forgotten him. We haven't been overcome. We haven't been swamped by the mess, the challenges, the difficulties. So when he sees us fighting, father and son look at each other and say, look at him. Look at him. They're going for it. They're, they're trying to get rid of those ideas, those thoughts that cause them to lose confidence in us. And they're coming. There's great pleasure. We can please the God of the universe by fighting to believe what he says. Jesus says, when your flesh, that is your godless thoughts, emotions, and desires, govern your behavior... It's painful and unpleasing to me. So godless thoughts, emotions, and desires. What is that? That just means me having thoughts. I hope you noticed the song we sang this morning. It was fabulous. When my thoughts are not God's thoughts, they're godless. When my emotions are not God's emotions, they're godless. Make sense? When, when, when my desires are not God's desires, they're godless. So when your flesh governs your behavior, it is painful and unpleasing for me. Paul says that, that when we're living by the flesh or when the flesh is governing us, we cannot please God in Romans 8.8. 8. We cannot please God. On the other hand, Jesus says, when you actually deny yourself what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're wanting, when you actually deny yourself to follow me, resulting in the goodness, the fruit, and the gifts of the Spirit, I'm pleased. When, when you actually, instead of just doing automatically without thinking, what you're thinking, and we do that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When, when, you, when you do what you are thinking, and it's not God's thought. When you do what you are wanting, it's not God's desire. When you do what you are feeling, but it's not what God thinks or wants or feels, then that's, that's the normal. That's natural. That's how pagans live their lives. That's how pagans live. But not us. We're different. We've been born from above. So when we actually, out of wisdom, out of reason, out of all the reasons, ultimately out of love, when we actually deny ourselves to follow Jesus, the relationship is what God intends because we're trusting him and the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, does that sound good? Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, again, is the byproduct. The root is listening and trusting enough to say, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel or what I want. They're there and they're real and they're not going to go away. But Jesus, what do you think? And what do you want? When I see there's a difference, I'm going to follow you because I trust you. I have faith in you. Make sense? If we're not following Jesus, we're following something or someone, and that's who we really functionally trust. That's who our faith is in in that moment. Right? 
So Jesus says, I, I want you to experience all this. And, and when, when you're following me, it brings me so much pleasure. Not that it's about me, Jesus, but I want you to have the abundant life. That's how it works. So, it is your maturing love for me that motivates denying yourself to follow me, to follow my spirit. See, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. That wasn't an implied commandment, could be taken that way legitimately, but it's really saying, if you love me, you'll care about what I care about. See, there's, there's immature love and immature love. We love what, what Jesus, what the Godhead has done for us, and we're actually grateful, and we love him because of what he does for us. And that's good. That's powerful. But as we mature, we can get beyond the motive of what's in it for me. As we mature, we can grow into a real love for the Lord that's so authentic, so real, that we get to the point that really doesn't matter. We're not in it for what we get. We actually have agape in us by the Holy Spirit who's getting his way in and through us. And so we love God enough that the issue is not what do I get out of it? Oh, I get everything for sure. No question. But, but I grow up enough to say, I am taking on my father's business. I love my father. So I want what he wants. Doesn't matter what it costs me. Doesn't matter if it's comfortable or uncomfortable. I'm not in it for me. I actually love you, Father. I actually am getting closer and closer to loving you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Make sense? And, and so that's the heart of a growing, maturing, responsive love to the unimaginable love of God for us. It's your maturing love for me that motivates you saying, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I think. Jesus, I just want what you want. I just want what you, and I want it. It's real. It's real. And it can happen, and it can move away because it's a byproduct of revelation. As God reveals himself to us, it inflames our heart with love for him. And we can make tough, good, strong choices in that moment, but then that can go away. As we lose sight of the glory and the goodness of God, it's easy for our love to grow dim or cold. Make sense? So we have to keep focusing. So Jesus says to me, I think to all of us, do you want to know the best help that you can get in order to bring pleasure to me, in order to please me? It's this. Know me enough to love me enough to do what I want. Know me enough to love me enough to not have it be about what you want, but to actually want what I want. 
And when you find out what I want, it doesn't matter how it affects you. It's, you're all in. So that's what Jesus says. So I, I'm going to tell you a bit of my story. Just with the hope, with the hope that as you hear my story and why I love Jesus, that that, that can somehow be used by the Lord to help you love him as you see how I've come to love him. People, I'm embarrassed about this sometimes. People ask, why do I cry? Well, it's because I feel love for the Lord. I experience love for Jesus because he is Emmanuel, God with us. It, it is unbelievable to me that the almighty God, creator of everything, rich beyond measure, everything, literally emptied himself of everything and became like me in every way. He left it all to take on everything. And that's a four-sermon series, and so I will move on. I experience love for Jesus. I've stared at him, and I've thought about that. And it impacts me. I experience love for Jesus because of his life-saving truth. Knowing and believing and obeying Jesus has saved and transformed my life. I cannot tell you. I wish I could. It's another series. The truth that God, because he loves me, has spoken to me. It's truth about his grace and his goodness. It's also truth about my mess and my struggle. And I wish I could tell you how where my life would be as I can imagine it, where my life would be if Jesus didn't love me enough to tell me the truth. But he does. He saved my life. I experienced love for Jesus because of his noble life. And you've heard me, I've talked about that one little bit one Sunday, but that's where the listen twice thing comes from. But I stare at Jesus who lived his whole life never pleasing himself, but only and always submitting to his father in every thought, every judgment, every act, every word. And it captures my heart. Jesus, I can't believe you were. And then you came and then you were so, so loyal to your father and so loved everyone. His life, it just touches me deeply. And ultimately, I experienced love for Jesus because of his freely chosen, horrific, sacrificial death. I now move to Easter. Actually, Good Friday. Actually, Thursday. Jesus gathers his disciples together. They celebrate the Passover in an entirely new way. They sing a song and Jesus says, come now, let's be going. And they make their way out to the garden of Gethsemane where they often went. And then Jesus, Jesus stops and he says, first he says, come now, let's be going. And then he stops. And he says, no, you guys stay here. And then he goes off a little bit and then he stops again. And he says, hey, Pete, James and John, you guys come with me. And the other disciples go, what? And so Peter, James, and John go. And, and then he, then he, then he stops again. He says, no, you guys stay here. Jesus, come, go, stop. And he's, he's wrestling. And he says to them, my soul is in agony and pain to the point of death. Some would call him suicidal in our current culture. 
And then Jesus goes on by himself. And he falls on his face. And he cries out, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. And the scripture says that Jesus' sweat was like blood. I've never been under so much stress that I sweat blood. Have you? I've never come close. There is a med- it's, it's, a com- it's a real disease. There's a medical name for it. But I've never been there. Jesus was. Jesus was. He was carrying. He was staring at the cross. He was thinking about all the implications, most of which we probably don't know. But he was thinking about that. That's what he was thinking about. It, and it captured him. And so he begs his disciples to come and to pray. And then he goes and he falls on his face and he cries out to his father, Father, if it be possible. I mean, he's saying, I, I know what we talked about before, but I've been thinking about it and I'm devastated. In fact, I'm sweating blood. And then he goes back, Guys, why are you sleeping? Come on, pray. Jesus became like us in every way, you know. Guys, come on, pray. I need help. And he goes back. And he does it for another hour. Prays the same thing. Doesn't get through. Doesn't get through. And then then he goes back. They're asleep again. He comes back and he prays one more hour. And that hour, we don't have any record of what happened. I was asked, when I was still a teacher and a coach, I was asked to, to do a Sunday school class on Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. So I was studying this passage. And it's, it dawned on me, we don't have a biblical record of what happened in the third hour. No record. And that, in my mind, as I'm studying it and I'm thinking about it, I see in my mind, I see Jesus down on the ground in a clump with mud blood all over his face. And he's there. And while I see him there, and, and what I'm going to tell you is my story. You can, you can think it's nuts. That's fine. I just know the fruit of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching Jesus in my mind. I'm seeing him. And then while I'm seeing that, I literally hear, I have thoughts I think it was the Holy Spirit who came to remind us of everything Jesus was and did. I can't prove it, but I had thought. And the thought was this, son, son, I love you. I'm pleased with you. And when I heard that, I didn't make it up. I promise. It just happened. I saw Jesus in my mind. I saw Jesus look up. His head had been down in the, in the mud blood and he looked up and something started to change in his countenance. And the father said, at least it was my view. He said, I love you. You're my son. I'm so pleased with you and I've heard you all along. And it dawned on me that Jesus was so tight. Jesus was so exasperated, stressed, with what he's thinking about. The father was probably always talking to him the first hour, the second hour, but he couldn't hear it because of the noise in his soul. He couldn't hear it, but then he got quiet. Now he's hearing. Father says, I love you, and everything in me wants to scoop you out. I want to, I hear you. I, I, I want to just deliver you from this, which we both agreed to you would do, but, but I need to remind you of a couple things. 
first, I need to remind you, if you go to the cross, it'll be because you choose to. I'm not, I'm not forcing you. I'm not pressuring you. It'll be your choice. Jesus said, if I lay, when I lay down my life, it'll be in my own accord. It'll be your choice. But, but I want to remind you of something. You're here asking me if it'd be possible to take this cup from you. I, I, just, want to, I just want to say to you, I, I love you. But, but I love Abraham, and I love Moses, and I love Isaac, and I, and I love Peter, and I love James and John, and I love Herod, and I love Pilate, and I love Judas, and I love people all down through. I love them, but, but I'm not pleased with them, and they're not my children yet because they didn't live the way you did. And you've, you've been perfect. You never lived by sight once. You always lived by faith. You always followed me all your life. You had to choose it, and you did. And I, I'm so delighted in you. You brought me so much pleasure. And now you're just an inch. You're just an inch. You're so close. So before you decide, let me remind you, yes, the cross is difficult, and you don't have to, but you're their chance. You're the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And so if you, can, if you can just go this last step, you'll be forever glad. You'll have a bride. And for the joy set before him, Jesus said, come now, let us be going. And he set his face like flint. It was settled. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he got up and took the disciples and let's go. And you and I are forever the recipients of the great grace of God, because Jesus made a resolution. He made a choice. He made a commitment that came out of his deep love for his father and his absolute loyalty. And so the big thing I want to bring to us today is this reality of Jesus has captured my heart. Do I fail him? Yes. Do I hate it? Yes. Do I want to live for him who died for me? Yes. Christ died for all that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him. And when you see him, it does something. It can enable you to love him. And that love for him can enable you to make a holy, I'll use the New Year's term, a holy resolution. I will live for him who died for me. Why? Because I love him. Why? Because he first loved me. How? I knew him. Well, could, could you right now? I don't know. Could you just, can you say to Jesus, okay, it doesn't matter if I enjoy it or not. doesn't matter if it's fun. doesn't matter if it brings, it, it doesn't matter. I just want what you want. And I'll give myself to you for your sake. You've already given yourself to me for my sake. I'll give myself back a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And my, I'll set my will. It's a resolve I'll make. Can you make that resolve today? Can you tell Jesus right now? I have some other things I want to talk with you about. They're very important. I'll 
beg the pastor if I can talk about it another time. Let's stand together. Maybe today you're here and you don't know Jesus well enough to trust him to be the leader, the Lord of your life. Maybe today the Holy Spirit's been helping you to, to realize that, that Jesus is really good. He's really smart. He really loves. He really is a helper. And maybe, maybe you've come to know Jesus enough that even today, if you haven't done it before, you might know him well enough to say, Jesus, I'm ready to become your disciple. I'm ready to let you be the head and I'll be a part of the body. I'm ready to make a covenant. Here I am. Here I am. I repent. I change my mind about who I'm going to trust. I'm not going to trust Mira. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Whatever you say, because I trust you, I'm after it. And after a while, I'll grow into some of these things. But right now, it just starts with my learning to know you and, and hear you enough to trust you. Not only with my eternal salvation, but as you guide me through life. Are you, do you know Jesus enough to make that commitment to him? Today, I can't imagine a better day. Jesus, thank you for helping. Thank you for helping. Could close a lot of ways. Pastor, I'll just invite you to come. Amen. Good word. Let's just thank Dad. Thank you. What a word. So good. Just place your hand on your heart if you can. I'd like to invite you just to take a moment. I love that phrase that he said about a holy resolution. Let's just continue that thought just a little bit longer. We'll close with this. Just commit this year, 2024. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would do this in us. Fight for faith. Your will be done. Your way, not my way. I'm going to feel the smile and the pleasure of God on our lives as we follow you. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Father, as we go into even this new year, this historic year for Radiant Church, we ask, Lord Jesus, let us feel your pleasure, your smile. We pray that we would become more like you. We ask, Lord, that this message would go deep in us. And we make that holy resolution today. Take what we give today, God. We pray, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would use it in this new year. I pray, Lord God, that as we see a, a new building, God, as we see young people, as we make a difference in Kansas City, as we continue to take steps to take to make a difference around the globe, God, use this church to be a radiant light. We honor you. We love you. We give cheerfully. We give gladly. In Jesus' name.